Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. While we were worshiping, the Lord um, put a verse on my heart I want to read with you guys um, and just share something with you. In John chapter 15, it's one of um, a super famous passage that we see in Scripture, Jesus talking about how he is the vine and how we are the branches, but he says something um, super, super specific in this, in this passage. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He says, and caps that off with, apart from me, you can do nothing. And as we enter into this time to teach and learn and understand God's word more and understand God more, it's just critical that we understand that apart from God, nothing of value can take place this morning. Apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, we could talk and we could be here. Paul says, I don't even try to speak with the eloquence of man or to try to do this fancy. I just am trying to preach Christ and him crucified. Apart from Jesus, uh, we will not accomplish much this morning. In fact, Jesus says nothing. And so um, I want us together to um, do something maybe that's a little weird and uncomfortable for you, but I have the microphone, which means I have the power. So I'm asking you just kind of extend your hands um, and just hold them open, kind of like this. And um, as just a way to show God that we're, we're coming with nothing as we pray. Father God, we need you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. God, apart from you, we have nothing. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be present, that you would speak, that you would lead, that you would teach, God, as we open your holy scriptures, God, would your word do what it says, that it would penetrate and pierce our hearts, God, that it would cut through bone and marrow, God, that you would do what your word promises, which is to take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. God, we thank you for the promise of Jesus being fulfilled on the cross. We thank you, God, that your love for mankind was fulfilled through Jesus Christ and that, um, God, you would extend the grace to us to be called children of God. And so we come to you this morning and ask God for you to do something fresh. Our hands are open. Our hearts are open. Would you prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say today in Jesus' name? Amen. Man, I'll tell you what. Um, you guys ever have one of those weeks where you feel like you're just kind of limping into church and you're like, I desperately need this? Anybody ever have one of those weeks where you're like, maybe just crawling in, it's like a Saving Private Ryan type of week where just bombs are going off all around you and you're like, I just got to make it to church. That's how my week has been. Um, and then yesterday, uh, a group of middle schoolers and myself and a couple leaders, we went to Dollywood all day. 15,000 steps, baby. Um, I got my exercise for the decade. <laughs> I'm good. Um, and so, 
um, by God's grace, the power of his Holy Spirit and a five hour energy, we're going to handle some business this morning. All right. Um, so I need you on my level, which is mostly artificial. Um, <laughs> yeah, I may be in a coma right now. This may not actually be happening. Honestly, who knows? Um, so and I also just want to say, man, um, can we just I, it's not about them. And they know that and they recognize it. But I'm so proud of these students. And can we just give them a round of applause? And they know it's not about them. Obviously, they signed up for the task and have been taught and have a heart to lift up Jesus and lift his name high. Jesus even says when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. That it's absolutely all about God and for God. But guys, I am so proud of you. I'm so stinking proud of you guys for saying yes to Jesus, for getting up here and using the gifts that God gave you to honor him and lift him up. I'm so stinking proud of you guys. Um, If uh, you've ever done youth ministry, um, you can attest to this. If you haven't, um, there's this there's this hidden gem inside of youth ministry. um, That's it's kind of obvious. Honestly, it's not that hidden, but um, it'll make you cry. And what it is, is when you watch a group of students worshiping Jesus, like just doing it, just naturally having something lifted from their souls to God instant waterworks. I mean, it just gets you. And because you're just watching someone connect and man, our students and our kids are so inundated with filth and nonsense and a culture that hates God. And to watch them stand up and to declare truth, sing truth, believe truth and act on truth is amazing. And it ought to be something that we as a church get behind and say, yeah, Like, go get it. You go, kids. How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we lift you up and push you and be the wind in your sails to see young kids up here reading scripture, to just have the scripture in their mind, in their heart. She's been practicing all week, getting ready to deliver the scripture because she loves God. You guys, we have some kids that love God, and that is fantastic and amazing and genuinely a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I just, God is so good. That is his kingdom. We've been going through a series this week about the kingdom of God and what that means. Um, um, Pastor Joel has said multiple times, it, it seems as though this topic of the kingdom is something that Jesus was obsessed with as he, te- as he taught, as he was leading his earthly ministry. He was frequently talking about it. In fact, even between his resurrection and his ascension, when Jesus rose from the dead before he went to heaven, it was, it was one, like the primary topic point that Jesus would talk about over and and over and over again. And so if it seemed important to Jesus to talk about, it's important for us to learn about, right? If it's important for Jesus to talk about, it's important for us to learn about. And so we're going to kind of get into this story this morning that um, is super important. And being that it's Family Sunday, um, I, think it's, I think it's a fitting passage. This story was actually delivered um, in, in three of the four Gospels. It's delivered in what we call the Synoptic Gospels. I, you guys are going to have to put your thinking caps on today. I'm going to teach you a couple things. Those three, three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels. They're more telling a narrative story, right? Um, and so the, you see a lot of similarities and, and linkings between these three Gospels. Um, and in these three Gospels, we see this same story played out. We see it in Luke 18, which is where we're going to be this morning. We see it again in Mark. 10 and again in Matthew chapter 19 and what's happening in this story 
like we just read about, is that Jesus is being presented with babies and children for him to put his hands on them, pray for them, and bless them. And, and here's kind of what's weird, is we read this story and we're like, oh, that's so cute. That's just stinking adorable. Jesus praying for babies. That's a baby dedication you want to be at, right? You know, like... It's one thing to just get your baby dedicated, but by, um, you know, the Lamb of God, that's a pretty big deal. I bet those babies were gangsters for Jesus. I bet they did some amazing things, like probably the Apostle Paul, you know, I'm not sure. But like, this is an incredible moment. We see this and we're like, oh, that's so amazing. That's so cute. But culturally, what we don't grasp, because we have a premium on children, we love children, we lift children up, we, we bless children. I mean, like as a culture, children have a high value and importance. But in the day and age where Jesus was talking, living, teaching, moving, um, this kind of would have been seen as something that was maybe not the most valuable use of time. Children weren't uh, as high of a premium in the day-to-day operation of culture where we are happy to interrupt our day for a child. In fact, I was just thinking of this last week. We have our life group on Sunday afternoon, and there's a, a guy in our life group named Mark, and he's like six foot uh, 54, and he's just giant. He's just a, a big, burly man. And uh, my daughter, uh, Bailey, is just running around. She's like 19 months old, and she's just running around uh, causing mayhem in our life group. That's what she does. She just, you know, disrupts it mostly. I'm not sure if she's sent by God or not, um, but she just disrupts the whole thing. And what she was doing is she was grabbing a teddy bear and a blanket and she says, baby, you know, like you got to wrap up this teddy bear and now you got to hold it like a baby. And Mark, this just behemoth Goliath man for the rest of the life group, Bailey's long gone. And he's still holding a teddy bear like he's bouncing it like he's committed to the cause, you know, and uh, because we have a high premium on children. If you are not going to take a baby from a baby and bounce that sucker jerk, you know, what a horrible person you are. You deserve to be kicked in the shin a thousand times. That's the value we have is where it's like, man, you could interrupt. You could take the manliest, most bikerist dude and give him a little stuffed animal and he will rock that sucker. He'll shush that baby to sleep, even though it's a teddy bear, right? Little, not even a Teddy Ruxman, ain't even gonna talk to you. It's doing nothing for you, right? But uh, 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 because we love kids, we're going to let them interrupt and disrupt our day-to-day culture. However, in Jesus's time, this would not have been the norm. This would have been seen as like, Jesus was doing so many important things. We're coming from, um, uh, depending on the gospel narrative, and it doesn't necessarily matter, but we know that the things that Jesus was doing, he was healing people, he was teaching, he was instructing, he was, um, you know, laying down some spiritual jujitsu for the spiritual leaders of the time and saying like, that's really not how this is going. Uh, He was doing important things. And Jesus takes this moment that people bring him children and the disciples say, hey, leave your babies out of this. Leave the teacher alone. He's, can't you see that he's busy? And Jesus takes this moment to teach us something about the kingdom. Again, if you have your Bibles, Luke 18 People were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. It's kind of mean. It's probably Peter. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Now let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God 
belongs to such as these. Everybody say, such as these. Verse 17 says, truly I tell you, anyone, everyone say anyone, who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. There's really three things we're going to kind of be tearing apart in this today. The first two are going to be pretty quick, and um, you're going to learn something interesting, hopefully. If not, um, my name's Joel Owen. Write me an email anytime. Um, I'll put my phone number on the screen. Call me after midnight. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I'm this way. Why'd you hire me? Um, We're going to examine these three things that we see here primarily in verse 17. The first thing that we're going to look at is this word receive. What, is the, what does it mean to receive? The second thing we're going to look at is this concept of the kingdom. Again, we're going to continue to dive into this concept of the kingdom. And the third thing that I think we need to understand is this, this phrase, like a child. What does it mean to be like a child? What does that look like? And so, now, what we're going to do, everybody, because this is Family Sunday, and I get to do whatever I want, you're going to reach down into your bag, everyone reach down into your imaginary bag, reach down, fish through, yep, yep, even you buff guys, yeah, you're not too cool for this, and reach down into your, I see hands not moving, you think I'm playing, I'm not playing, yeah, yeah, I see you, reach down into that bag, and then you're going to take out your thinking hat, and you're put on your thinking hat, all right, we're going to learn something today. Here's what we're going to learn. This word receive, this word receive in the Greek. You ready to hear me botch a foreign language I don't speak? I hope you are. Um, This word receive in the Greek is something like dechomai, is at least what the button says when I push it and listen to it 670 times. Strong's G ninety four dechomai. That's what it says, and it's a, it's a it's a Greek <laughs> it's a Greek verb. Okay, but here's something important. This word receive, right? It, it's receive. That's what this word means. Dechomai is to receive, but also to embrace, to adopt, or to personally understand. And I don't mean adopt in the sense of um, like a child adoption, but I mean to take a thought and to now adopt a thought, to take a principle and to now adopt a principle, to take a culture and to now adopt a culture. That's kind of what this looks like, is to take something that is um, a little bit ethereal and a concept and to apply it to your life in such a way that it's now your concept. He says, receive, right? Now, now I want you to notice, if you look back at verse 17, which I need you to do, he says, anyone who will not receive, everybody say receive, receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. This verb is kind of being attached to this noun, receive the kingdom of God, will never enter it. What that shows us, and what we can see in the original language is, to receive the kingdom of God is not the same thing as to enter the kingdom of God. You're like, yeah, obviously those are different words. Good job, Kyle. Where's your degree from? Don't have one. So, If we're recognizing that receive is different, then it means that we're talking about relating to the kingdom differently than this traditional idea of a place that we are going. If we're receiving, you can't receive a place we're going. Later today, I would like you to receive Disneyland. You would say, you're an idiot. 
That makes no sense. You would go to, you can enter into Disneyland, but you can't receive Disneyland. So there's a concept here that we're going to need to continue to try and wrap our brains around. And it's one of the reasons that Jesus has just revisited the, the topic of the kingdom is because it does not fit in our normal understanding. The other word we're going to learn, right? We talked about the word receive. Everybody got that? Everyone throw a thumbs up and say, yeah, I got that. Cool. I'm going to ruin another Greek word for you. This one is the word for kingdom, right? This is to receive the kingdom. Dechomai a basalaya. This word is basalaya. Everybody say that. You guys are so Greek, man. Wow, that's awesome. I just feel like throwing a plate on the ground and saying, opa. <clears throat> And this, this word basilai is the word we see for kingdom. This is what we see translated. We see this word often for the word kingdom. But, but really what we're looking at when we see this word is not um, a physical place, not a physical kingdom. This isn't like, um, um, we'll just use Disneyland again. This isn't like Disneyland. This is instead the royal power. This is the dominion. This is the rule. This is the governmental leadership. And when he says receive the kingdom, what he's talking about is to embrace the kingship, the position, and the authority. It's kind of like how we have just sunk into this place in our culture where if the guy we don't like is in office, no matter who we are, we'd be like, that's not my president. You haven't received his leadership. You haven't embraced his leadership. Factually, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Factually, nothing we can do about that. However, there is something that he beckons us to, which he asks of us, which is to embrace his leadership of the kingdom. We have to embrace and yield to and submit to his dominion, his rule, his leading. And so I'm not just trying to bore you with language stuff. Here's what I'm trying to get that. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down, okay? This is the principle. This is the idea. To receive the kingdom now, everyone say now. Now, to receive the kingdom now, to receive this concept and idea uh, means embracing the lordship of God now. Everybody say now. now. To receive the kingdom now is to embrace the lordship of God now. Now, consequently and additionally, this embrace guarantees that we can be received, can be received into the physical, tangible kingdom of God when we're passed through this life or should Jesus return, okay? So when we understand and acknowledge this kingdom that God has established, that is where we're saying, yeah, Jesus is Lord. He is God. He has died for my sins. He's paid. All of that is embracing the kingdom of God so that we can enter the kingdom of God. There's a difference, okay? You might have heard this passage um, taught a few different times, I'm sure. You probably have looked at this and you're like, Jesus brought the children. In fact, um, having done a bunch of baby dedications, this is a verse you would use for baby dedication. Look at Jesus. He wants the children to come to him, right? Um, and we hear things that are true, like our faith must be pure, like a child's understanding is pure, their belief is pure. Um, I talk to my son all the time and he just I love him so much because he just believes what I say. Uh, he's the best person to prank. I love pranking you, man. Uh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, I might just prank you later just for fun, just because I think it'd be funny. 
we must, uh, in the same way, we must, you've probably heard it said that we must be trusting of God, that we would trust God, that what God says, we believe, that's true. And we recognize that children have such a simple faith that they just, um, when we tell our children, hey, this is who God is and this is what he's done, uh, they're like, sweet, that's rad, man. I'm, I'm glad you told me that. I remember explaining, it, Parker asks, where does Jesus live? And I'm like, heck yeah, here we go. We started talking about and explaining that, yes, Jesus lives in heaven, but to those who would believe in Jesus, he lives in their heart, right? We, and so he, for, I think he was like two years old, barely able to talk. He'd be like, good night, Jesus. You know, like looking, in, looking into his heart, good night, Jesus. All, just so cute, right? He just believes. I just said, this is where Jesus lives. And he's like, sweet, I got that. I believe that. But I think that a point is kind of being made here in the gospel narrative, because um, all those things are true. We do need to have faith like that. But there's a bigger point being made here in the gospel narrative. Um, is not just to place or accept God like ch a child, not to just place our faith and trust in God like a child, though that is true. We ought to do that, but that we are indeed his children. A point being made here is not just that we need to act like children, but that we are given the position of children. What, De what Jesus is teaching about uh, is less about the approach we ought to have and more about the structure of his kingdom. How he structures his kingdom is different than how we would think. The kingdom and culture and the values of the day did not value children. As much as God and as much as Jesus is describing right here. So when Jesus is saying, hey Amen, yeah, if you want to enter my kingdom, you must receive my kingdom and believe like a child. They're like, You mean like the people who don't contribute to society and don't really know how to, like, you got a job? You paying the bills? Then I don't want to hear it. He says, no, you have to receive the kingdom in the same way. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus is always flipping our understanding of the world and how it works and kingdoms on its head. He is constantly doing that. And here Jesus is doing the same thing with our concept of how we would approach, how we would relate to, and how we would enter the kingdom. Because when we think of kingdom, we think of a king. Everybody say king. You think of a king, and what does a king have beneath him? He's got some royal subjects, some peasants, some people that ultimately their objective is to serve and obey him and just keep him in power. Now, it's true we ought to serve and obey God. He's the king, but he says, I'm not relating to you like a king, and you're just my subject. I'm relating to you differently. I'm relating to you like a father relates to a child. Let me just remind you of a familiar passage. If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We got a Bible on the screen. You can read along. I'm just going to read this. Just hear it. Luke 15 verse 11. Jesus continued. Jesus is giving parables. He's explaining stories. He's explaining principles. And he says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, father, Give me my share of the estate. Give me my inheritance. So he divided his property between the two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered and wasted his wealth in wild living. Homeboy went wild. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and, when he, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and he hired out, uh, he hired himself out to be a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was so hungry, he said, I'd eat this stinking pig slop, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. God, I'm gonna, or dad, I'm gonna come back and I, I'm, I'm so broken and so humbled and I messed up so bad. I'm not even asking to be your son again. I just wanna be one of your farm hands. If you just let me stay in the barn, I'd be pretty okay with that. The, the, the servants at your house get treated better than where the situation I'm in. Verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. He didn't even respond to that. He's like, yeah, 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 quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. Everybody say lost. And he is found. Say found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, or your brother has come, and, uh, and your father has killed the fatted calf because of him, uh, because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. Here's what we have to understand about God. Here's what we, you, we can gather from this. Here's what we have to understand. Here's what we have to. It is of utmost importance that we understand this about God. His relationship with his people is not one of a king and a subject. It's not where he just has created things to occupy a space. You have not been created by God in the image of God, had life breathed into you by God so that you can just occupy a space. You're not a thing. You're not just an object that God could have created. God created a bunch of things. You're not a tree. You're not an animal. You're, not a, you're made in the exact image of God. He created you in his image. I shouldn't say exact, but you're made in the image of God. To bear his image, to look like him, to, to think along the same lines. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you have the capacity to connect and to think with him, to reason with him, to talk to him, to have a relationship with him. You've not been created to fill space. You haven't just been created 
to just be a subject in his kingdom. Write this down. God doesn't want you as a subject, but as a precious child. God's not interested in you just being someone in his kingdom. God is interested in you being his child whom he loves no matter what. God's interested in you being a precious child, a child that he died to save from the consequences of your decisions. We see the son. He asked for his, his inheritance. He checks out whose decisions ruined the, son, the younger son's life. I'll take answers. Whose decisions ruined his life? His own, right? Is anybody else to hold responsible? Absolutely not. He comes to this realization. He's like, dude, I messed up. This was a mistake. I have ruined everything. I have wasted everything. Everything went wrong. And here's what we see from our gracious heavenly father. When we inevitably fall and fail short, or fall and fail and fall short of grace, he doesn't change our last name. I'm gonna call the worship team back up here to close. The thing we learn about God is that he does not change our last name when we fall, when we fail, when we falter, you have been claimed by the blood of Jesus. And here's what the father does. He doesn't wait to keep a record of wrong. And when he gets there, he's like, yeah, man, I messed up. And the father's like, you absolutely did. In fact, here are the ways in which you sinned against me. He says, I'm going to celebrate the fact that you are home. Today, what God is speaking to you is that you are his child. And he longs for you to be his child. He longs for you to be in intimate, real relationship with him. If you have been scared to approach God, if you've been scared to return to God, scared to come to God initially, this isn't you coming to a powerful king who's just going to smite you with the toss of a scepter. This is a loving father who wants to receive you into his kingdom should you receive his kingship. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.